Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome to Hockey Central at Noon. Peter Klein, Will Nalt, and Logan Gordon with you today. 60 minutes of hockey talk on your Tuesday after an eventful night in the NHL and leading you up to what will probably be another eventful night in the National Hockey League as the Stanley Cup playoffs continue. One more team is done. One more team forcing one more game. We'll see how things play out tonight. Uh, before we go too far into the program, I want to welcome Will Nolt. Uh, used to be on the this show every day, uh, not quite so much every more. Will, welcome back to the noon hour here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hello, Peter. How's it going, sir? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, enjoyed the hockey last night. Enjoy hearing Logo saying we got some Raptors basketball before playoff hockey tonight. So it's it's a good day in the, in Peter Klein's world, that's for sure. Yeah, it's a triple header and a unique triple header. I know the Raptors have got to be better than than game one. They were uh, outclassed in the opener on Sunday. I I think many expecting them to be better today. I know they had a visit from their families yesterday inside the NBA bubble. Uh, could lead to, to some putting some money down on the Raptors. I know that you're not into gambling, uh, Peter, but if you were, no, not at uh, all. perhaps you'd be putting uh, money down on the Raptors for today. But uh, yes, it's it's still... Something I'm trying to get used to, the fact that we have uh, NBA, NHL playoffs on September the 1st, and uh, we have passed a Major League Baseball trade deadline and now focusing in on a playoff race involving the Blue Jays. It's, it's still weird to me that all of this is happening at the same time. Yeah, it's it's very strange to talk about MLB trade deadline and the Stanley Cup playoffs at the same time, but thus is 2020. We have a lot in the Stanley Cup playoffs to get to, and here to help us break that all down is Peter Labardius. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you today? Well, fellas. What a little Tuesday treat. What a little <laughs> Tuesday treat. We've got Mr. Klein. We've got Mr. Nolt. We've got the ever-present and ever-talented Logan Gordon running the board. And we get to talk about hockey and maybe a little sports or a little something, something, whatever you want to do. I'm hearing about the triple header. And, yes, the Raptors need to figure out Boston, the only team since they came back to work that they haven't been able to figure out, and that'll be a lot of fun. The Jays have been fun, and uh, needless to say, the sport we're talking about has uh, produced no shortage of entertaining, fascinating, extra time, pretty good stuff, don't you think? We had to wait a while, guys, before sports re-entered the scene, but I don't think any of us are disappointed, are we? Uh, no, not not uh, behind this microphone. I've really enjoyed it, and it's like it's definitely different. But the quality of hockey, I don't think, has taken much of a dip. It's been pretty fun so far. Well, what are your thoughts on that particular situation, just in terms of you know the quality that we've seen day in and day out? You know, it's funny, Lou. We had a discussion yesterday, and I love your insight on the subject because I, I've listened to different players inside the NHL bubble, not as much in the NBA. I haven't been following that as closely. Uh, but listening to interviews or, or reading uh, different things, and, and obviously last night we saw one team battle back to, to make it a 3-2 series. But I, 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 I'll be honest, it, it's a unique year. I've had trouble 
Uh, it's not been something that I've you know been able to buy in as much as I have in years past. If I'm being perfectly honest, I okay. it has not felt like a real playoff year. Not to say the hockey's been bad, but the intensity just isn't there. And I think obviously the atmosphere and the fans and all that plays into that. But you know, we had the discussion yesterday, and I'd love to to get your take on it. But it's just you know all these series, and as I mentioned, one team makes it a three-two series and forces a game six, but. Boston goes home and and they played played hard yesterday went to double overtime but I, I just it feels like a lot of the time it's it's harder to battle back or to dig in and, and find that that fight because you go back to even the Flames series where they had a three nothing lead in Game Six and 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 then you know seven straight goals uh you know were were, were allowed to to the Dallas Stars and, and the Stars win seven three I just. I wonder what that's like as a player because I can't imagine it's easy right now. At least, certainly isn't from my perspective, reading and, and watching what's happening. Life in the bubble is a little stale, and and I do think it is tough to dig your heels in. Like if you're the Vancouver Canucks tonight, you uh, put everything you had in a game four and you lost, and now you're down three games to one. Again, I don't want to say these guys don't care, but it just feels like it's a lot tougher. We had no game sevens. In the opening round, I don't think we're going to have any in round two unless the Avalanche find a way to win again in game six. But it just feels like it's a lot harder to dig your heels in and fight back in a playoff series. Yeah, you know what? I, I'm not sure, pal, I see it that way. I, I'm, I'm really not. Um, now, I would suggest this to you. I think whether you're a fan, whether um, you're involved in it, what I do think, and I felt very strongly about this going in, is that these situations for all of us are about how it fits with everything that's going on in our world. And being in a bubble means that you need to be all in. And if other things and other distractions, that's not to say that they're not important and they shouldn't be important because there is far more to life than just sports. And isn't that what you guys have been talking about each and every day? Hasn't Mm -hmm. that become a huge part of our sports conversations is that, you know, games are one thing, but, you know, you guys at the end of last week, it was very little sports talk and it was Mm -hmm. life talk. So, you know, I guess I always, and you guys both know I'm a pretty deep thinking person and yes, I'm all in on sports. And to be honest, I'm opposite. I've enjoyed these NHL playoffs more than I have for years. And that's just myself personally. But one of the big reasons is it's just been my mindset. And the fact that I guess for me, when you take things away that really, really matter, and you're thinking about things differently, and yes, the rest of our life, who's in it, where we're at, makes a big difference. For me, actually, it hasn't been difficult to dig into. I'll be really, really disappointed when we get to the point in the calendar where, and I guess that won't happen in the sports world now, depending on what happens, I guess, with the NFL and how you're into it. So, um, well, I don't know if that's exactly answering your question or the answer that you were looking for, but I do. I think it is taxing on some. Um, and what is it about? Well, if you're all in and it's all about winning and that's what matters the most because it is more difficult, 
don't you guys think that it just, like, it requires a lot. It requires a lot. It's not, it's not a normal situation where you can get away from it. You can't. But the one thing that I've observed is I actually think that certain players and certain teams have really benefited from it. Because I think in one way, sometimes when you have other things to think about and your mind is occupied in different ways, then it can take you away from the task at hand. So to be frank, I I think when, when you consider that there's no fans, there's no added juice, the type of hockey that I've seen, I think it's been outstanding. And I know that I'm an easy sell, Mm-hmm. And yes, even since the Flames have not been playing, is my level in, of investment the same? No. But I will say, for those few weeks, those five weeks when I was back in town, I'm not sure I've ever been more all-in on on that work, being involved in the playoffs. And guess what? That wasn't exactly my comfort zone. It It, it, it wasn't... I, I never grew up ever wanting to do a hockey game from a boardroom. I can tell you that. No, no it's not, certainly not, a, not really what I was what I was going for, Lou. But because I, I know that you're all in, I was more talking about life in the bubble as a player. I just it feels like a three one series lead is pretty much automatic. The team that's up three one is going to win. Now I know most of the time it is. I just feel from reading inside the bubble and stuff, that life is, is such an absolute grind because you can't leave the fences that are placed around your hotel. I just, we saw no game sevens in round one. I don't think we're going to see any in round two. It just feels like once you're, you're kind of down and out, it's, it's hard to battle back. And again, I'm not saying the players don't care. I'm with you. The hockey's been good. I have been all in. Absolutely. But I'm saying from a, and then in the bubble perspective, it's a lot easier, I think to, to eliminate you're a just team saying you're hard not to interrupt you. You're just saying three one down in the bubble is harder than three one down out of the bubble. Hundred percent. Yep. That's you know what I'm. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to disagree with that in in some regards. I'm. I, I don't. I don't think it's something that I feel um, is a general and easy statement. But what I do think is. It, it also speaks volumes, I think, to the type of situations and the type of people that are involved in the process. And if, if you feel in any way, shape, or form, and you're going to, to a certain extent, that it's keeping you from things, like, I'm not saying that anybody consciously is thinking that, and we're also, you know, getting around back to it, and it is a great conversation, is... Yeah, I, I do. I, I think what it does say is that it is harder. And when it is harder, I, I don't think sometimes there's been any less will or want, but isn't everything about mindset? Mm-hmm. And when your mindset is right, like, Peter, you know, we've, we've done the show, like, for a long time during, during the stretch. And, you know, I said right off the top, that these situations were going to be for people in teams that didn't let all the outside stuff win over the inside stuff. But like I said Mm -hmm. earlier, I think, I think there's been teams, including the Calgary flames. I think there was some real benefit to being in there. 
I really, I really do. So it's, 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 it's a great conversation. It really is. I, I think it's fascinating. I think it's interesting. And I think, again, it's, it's not about just sports. It's about the study of people. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think one aspect of this that, I do think does affect things a little bit is uh, like the, you don't see the same momentum swings in a series because you're not traveling from place to place, right? Like it's okay. We're down to nothing, but look, we're, we're going back home. We're going to have our crowd behind us. That'll pick us up and get us back in the series. And instead it's okay. We're down to nothing and we have our anthem singer tonight. So go get them boys. <laughs> like I, I think that there are some, uh, I guess, superficial aspects of it that might change things because you don't get that opportunity to have the scene shift at all. And you don't have the opportunity to have things change. It's just the same location every day. And you have to kind of manufacture the momentum shifts in, on your own way. Well, guys, can we, and, not, and I think we, we are, we're all pretty much in agreement. And even if we're not, um, that's great too. But in this case, isn't it, up to teams and individuals to create your own juice. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. That to me, like that to me is what has kind of, and, and maybe it's just cause it's listen, uh, you guys, you both know me pretty well. You know, would I just assume a would have loved to have been in the ring. Imagine having a chance to experience Calgary, Winnipeg in those two cities. And and for those of us, right, who could have been in the buildings and experienced it, you know, what an experience that would have been. Um, But again, I I think what I've really enjoyed about it is I didn't have great expectation going in, but I had great fascination to see how it would play out which players would do well, which teams wouldn't, Um, you know, who would be able to manufacture their own juice? How much would talent matter? Would it be in a lot of cases, would it be will over skill? I, I don't know. You know, at the end of the day, I've just, and maybe that's what it's been for me. I don't know if I had the great expectations because I didn't know what to expect this time. It was so different. But I, I do know that I had great fascination about more than ever who individually and who as teams that were going to do well. Because you guys both know me well enough to know when I assess most in anything, and I believe this from the bottom of my heart, is when it's hard. And guess what? Being in the bubble, all that goes with everything, it's not easy, is it? No, not at all. And it's it's certainly a, a different type of distraction and uh, a different type of playing field than the, these guys are used to. Chatting with Peter Labardius here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan, uh, getting into the games last night, which were not short on entertainment or talking points. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, knocking the Boston Bruins out. There are a number of different ways this conversation can go coming out of this, but it, it does kind of feel like last year and what Tampa Bay went through and now coming back and kind of slaying that dragon that was Columbus and John Tortorella, that that feels like that was a major hurdle for this Lightning team to clear. Well, I, I, I agree. And I think what Tampa learned that's really important is that even if you win 62 games and even if you're the most 
skilled team in the National Hockey League, it's not enough sometimes, is it? When the opposition knows how to play against you, that their will, their ability to manage the hard moments, their ability within the framework of every game, because I'm a big believer that, you know, even under normal circumstances, yes, maybe the crowd can get you going, you know, when a series shifts and if you can take advantage of it. But most nights, guys, I think each and every game is unto itself. I really do. And there's a lot of momentum, potential swings within the confines. But but I think Tampa learned a lot from last year. And, you know, they just, they never recovered. They're up 3 nothing in game one. And they could never reel it in. And I truly believe, and I think we even saw that in these playoffs, whether it was in some ways Pittsburgh and Montreal would be a perfect place to point. I just don't think the Pittsburgh Penguins could ever sell themselves that there wasn't a way they were going to beat the Montreal Canadiens. But they didn't. And, and, you know, I think Tampa had to go through that and understand that, you know, having the best skill isn't everything. It just isn't. Will matters, literally. And, and the work and the value in the work and the value in team rather than just talent. We defer a lot when we assess people, teams, things. Talent gets a long leash, but work matters. And and I think that was one of the great lessons for Tampa. They have great skill, even without Steven Stamkos. But to Julian Brisebois' credit, in terms of some of the pieces they added, whether it was Bogosian, whether, you know, I think, Coleman has been a huge ad. Barkley Goodrow coming over. Like that just that give them gave them a different type of team, a, a better blend team, some more grit. And you know, grit matters. When it's hard, grit, resilience, passion, perseverance, it matters. So so they're a different team, but they still have a boatload of skill. And, you know, Columbus Columbus, they might win the Will Olympics, and I don't mean not. You want to talk about a group that gets absolutely everything out of what they have. Look no farther than the Columbus Blue Jackets. So you're right, Pete. They were a tough out. And the Boston Bruins, well, that was a heck of a tough out. And the Islanders, if they end up winning this series, just because, you know, somewhat Columbus-like, you're going to tell me Barry Trotz's team isn't a team that's committed to knowing how, what they do and being really comfortable in it? The Islanders are kind of, to me, they're, they're different than Columbus, but wouldn't you guys agree that there's some similarities there? Well, absolutely, yeah, in kind of style of play and the, the style of coaching. Yeah, and, and they're just, the bottom line is, they're com- they know who they are. That, that's one of the things, you know, we all kind of get in trouble when – we don't understand what lane we should be in, and we try to be in a bunch of different lanes. Well, you know, those teams, they know who and what they are. They, they know they're not going to win the skill Olympics necessarily, but they know how to work, and they know how to defend, and they know how to make life miserable on their opponents, and they're incredibly good at it. And, you know, now the Flyers, the number one seed coming out of the round robin, you know, they have their backs against the wall. And in the case of Tampa, Tampa looks like, you know, 
they look like they have a great chance to do the only thing when you're Tampa that matters, and that's win it all. Chatting with Peter Labardius here on Hockey Central Noon, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I'm Peter Klein. He is Will Nolt. We will ask the guys last night, was that uh, was that Zidane Charla's last game in a Boston oh, uniform? Oh, boy. You know what, my friend? It, it might be. What an incredible career. 195 playoff games. Um, you know, Come on, Prince George. It, come on, Prince George. Love you. 1996-97 under the direction of longtime OHL coach Stan Butler. I remember watching him in Saskatoon. <laughs> gangly don't even know what he weighed you know wondered if this guy was ever going to be able to you know to grow into that body and skate and you could see he's probably well in all the hockey players I've ever watched for the first time or two just you want to talk about the definition of raw but what Zidane Chara grew into to be frank is not only an incredible franchise changing player but his you want to talk about leadership and culture and who sets the way in terms of what's acceptable and what isn't that's what I think about when I think about Zidane Ochara he changed the Boston Bruins now he's had great help you know two other guys are pretty good in in that vein as well by the name of Marshawn and Bergeron but but isn't this one of the greatest free agent signings in pro sports history and, and what he did in Boston, his leadership, the kind of person he is, his ability to make those around him accountable with, with his work and his play. He, he, for me is a hands down hall of famer and in every way, shape or form three Olympics, countless world championships, for his home country in Slovakia. You know, as I watched him at the end of the game, it just, to be honest, it made me sad. He has done so much, so much. And, and, and again, let's even go back a few years. Whose team was in the final of the World Cup and probably had no business? His. Mm-hmm. His helping Europe and playing a huge leadership role on that team. This, this guy, he, he's a giant um, of, of a man physically. And even though I have never spent a lot of time with him personally, I, I think he just speaks volumes about everything sports should be about. And for that, I, I'd give him a, if I get a chance, I'll be in a press box somewhere if, whenever it comes, being the first in line to give him a standing ovation. Well said. Uh, tremendous career for Chara. We might see him Oof. again, who knows, as he is an absolute fitness freak. But uh, nonetheless, with some uncertainty as to when next season is going to begin, he uh, admitted last night that he is unsure of his future in the NHL. Lou, let's shift gears quickly before we say goodbye. Sure. Dallas and Colorado. Uh, that series has been absolutely nuts. I, I don't know what else you can say at this point about the, the young man who just turned 25 today by the name of Nathan McKinnon, who's got points in all 13 Avalanche playoff games in 2020. Um, again, I don't know if they're going to come back to force a Game 7, 
This series has been wild. I watched a majority of the overtime yesterday, flipped over. It's not one, not two, not three, not four, but five first-period goals uh, last night for the Avs. It's, uh, it, as you put in your notes today, it's been a bit of a train wreck, that series. You know where this should be played? This series should be played on a NASCAR track somewhere. <laughs> Because that's what it's like. It's, it's like a big There's no pace. Track. There's no pace out there. It's three wide, lots of pace, lots of physicality, guys running into one another, like the most ridiculous momentum swings. Yesterday's goalie story, Franco's all of a sudden, he's not fit to play. Now you get Michael Hutchinson, who, you know, they ran out of Toronto because he couldn't make any saves for the Leafs in the backup role. Hmm. He's the starter. Nobody really expected Ben Bishop to come back. And before you could blow your nose, or as Will talked about, turn over from the more interesting, more important game of the night. Uh, I'm sitting on the couch, and and I'm not always capable of watching more than one event at once. That's just who I am. Um, I remember looking up during the overtime going, it's five to nothing. It was just two. Now it's five. So... You know, who knows what to expect? Um, Peter, as we addressed yesterday, I, I didn't think it was going to happen that way. I, I did have a funny feeling that, you know, Colorado is going to find a way to somehow save the day. They did. But you, you almost can't take your eyes off this one because who can possibly predict what's coming next outside of there's probably going to be a lot of goals. There's going to be some penalties. There's going to be physicality. Um, you know, the Colorado net is who knows how many saves you're getting. And another takeaway for me last night, just because I've been watching this young man for a long time, is pretty good opening night for Connor Timmons, didn't you guys think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. I thought he was great. You know, Timmons, who came out of Sault Ste. Marie, concussion trouble based on you know, the 2018 playoffs. Um, and I generally talk about these things all the time. If you go back to the World Junior Championship in 2018 in Buffalo, I think Connor Timmons was arguably the best defenseman in that whole tournament. And if you don't remember, with about a buck and a half left in the gold medal game against Sweden, some guy named Timmons made a pretty good pass to Tyler Steenbergen on the back door to set up the game winning goal. And, you know, the reason I point that out is just not so I can have a good memory, but it's a great memory. But I always think that when you play on those kind of stages with that kind of pressure, you'll never make me believe that that just doesn't set you up to maybe handle that kind of situation a little better than others who haven't been in that kind of pressure-filled situation. And I have to be honest, um, I I watched him start the game, brought a big smile to my face. I've been a big fan of his for a long time. And the first thing he does in the first 11 seconds of the game is he goes behind his net, he's calm, he's poised, bang. Great one first pass right on a tape out of the zone. And, you know, I thought, well, that's a pretty good start, young man. We'll see where it goes from here. So... Yeah, that, that that series is nuts, and who knows? Maybe it goes to double overtime in Game 7 before that baby's over. 
And quickly, just about 10 seconds here before we let you go, Lou. Islanders, Philly, Vancouver, and Vegas tonight. What are you, uh, what are you watching for? Um, well, Vancouver's going to fight their tail off. I'm not sure it's going to be enough against that team. And, and, Will, I'll leave you with this. The hardest series for me to watch in this round has been the other one. Just, just has not necessarily floated my boat, but I, I, I think the Islanders maybe finish it tonight. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I, uh, I'm with you. It's, it hasn't been great hockey to watch in terms of getting into it, uh, but the Islanders, uh, they play a heck of a game, and uh, Barry Trotz has got that team going. It'll be fun to, to see if they can close it out and then see what they can do against that high-flying Tampa team if they get there. Lou, good stuff, man. As always, we will uh, talk to you tomorrow. Okay, guys, love it. Really enjoyed it. Have a great day. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Uh, just a quick note from that Vancouver game. There's some reports that Thatcher Demko could be getting the start for the Canucks in goal tonight, which certainly adds a bit of an interesting wrinkle to that one. Uh, we will break more NHL playoff talk with Eric DeHatchuk on the other side as Hockey Central at noon continues here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Cup playoffs resume tonight with a pair of game fives with a pair of teams facing elimination. Welcome back to Hockey Central Noon. Peter Klein, Will Nault, and Logan Gordon with you today. Very pleased to be joined by our Tuesday regular. It is from the athletic Eric DeHatchuk. Eric, how are you today? Good. That is good. It's, um, again, no, no shortage of things to talk about, even if the, uh, the local team isn't necessarily providing the storylines. So we'll want to get your thought on how this, um, on the games tonight. We'll start with the Flyers against the New York Islanders. Another just masterful coaching job from Barry Trotz. And this Islanders team now on the verge of knocking Philadelphia out. Um, just, I guess, how serious of a threat are the New York Islanders as the Stanley Cup playoffs continue? Oh, I think very serious. And, and, it, and I think for a lot of us that, you know, that watch them play and then assess their roster and then watch them play and then assess the roster, there's this disconnect, right? Because you look at their, their personnel and you think, okay, where is the, you know, the elite level defenseman that lifts you out of your seat, you know? And, and it's like, okay, I don't see him. You know, where's that, you know, goaltender with a bulletproof resume on the roster? Mm, don't see him. You know, where's that, you know, guy that lifts you out of your seat like Connor McDavid? Well, there's one. It's Matt Barzell. But but if there's just one and, and those other boxes aren't checked, you know, if you're in the analysis game or even in the, you know, watching from the, the seats uh, perspective, it's like, how? How do they do it? You know, but I think that, you know, we've watched all we've all watched spectator sport long enough to know that that the best teams are the ones that are better than the sum of their individual parts rather than the other way around. And and Barry Trotz's history going right back to the start when when, you know, he had the national predators there and, and they, you know, they were not great in the early expansion years. It wasn't like the expansions of today with the with Vegas. Uh, and he got the most out of his players. And and so that I think that's what, what we're seeing. So when you have that going for you, and especially because of all the unique circumstances of, of life in the bubble and everything else, you know, you can be sure 
that the messaging there is, you know, we have a rare opportunity here, you know, and, and maybe in a, in, a, in a normal year, you know, a, a, ta- a team with, you know, a little bit better than average talent takes you so far, but no further. I think internally they believe that this, that, that they'll never get another opportunity like this. And, and you can just see in, in the way they're playing, you know, they're, they're taking the play to, to Philadelphia, um, you know, in Philadelphia, you know, they're, they're making Philadelphia look very average after Philadelphia had looked quite good up until this point in, in, in the tournament. So, so yeah, if they get through, and I, I believe that they will, uh, you know, next stop Tampa. I mean, Tampa is one of those teams, uh, you know, they, yeah, they, they've got it going this playoff as opposed to, to last year's playoff. But I, uh, I mean, I think they're, they're capable of, of beating them. And I think more importantly, they believe that they are capable of winning this round and then winning the next round. And once you're in the Stanley Cup final, I mean, who knows after that, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And anything can happen when you have Barry Trotz as your coach. This is another masterful job, like I said before, that he has done. And really just solidifying that resume, I believe. I, I want to get your thought on that, on just at the... The, one of the better coaches of this generation. It does kind of feel like he, he really is working into that level of, of coaching excellence with this one. I agree. I, and, and, you know, like I thought you were going to bring up Hall of Fame. And, and, and it's, it's very hard sometimes for NHL coaches to get into the Hall of Fame. And there's an awful lot, uh, you know, there was controversy about Pat Burns not getting in, uh, you know, until he finally did. I mean, someone like Mike Keenan, who's really one of the most successful you know, NHL and, and it really international coaches of all time. He's not in, but I do believe that when, you know, Barry Trotz gets to a, a certain point, especially once his career is over, I think that he, he has a, a, a chance uh, of, uh, of being in the hall of fame. And uh, you know, it's funny. So the, okay, so the first time I ever laid eyes on, on Barry Trotz was that Nashville expansion draft. And, you know, and David Poyle introduced him as, as their new head coach. And he had been coaching, I believe that the, the farm team in Portland of the, of the Washington Capitals and David Poyle had a connect, you know, he had previously worked in, in, in Washington. And so he had a connection to, to trust and he was the most unlikely looking person, right? I mean, he, he looked like he's just stepped out of a 1930s gangster movie and it was like, wow, uh, you know, like it just, you know, you have this sort of vision of, of an NHL coach and Barry Trotz didn't fit that vision. So immediately my first thought was, okay, there must be something to this guy because he doesn't look the part. But, but he's going to get an opportunity to prove that he is that guy. And I think that almost right from the minute that he started in the National Hockey League until this point in time, he has proven that he is that guy. And, you know, just a, you know, like a real genuine substance, um, you know, caring person, um, you know, aware of the world around him. Uh, you know, he has a son that, uh, that, uh, that works, work, works. I still, I don't know if he still does, but he, certainly when Barry was coaching in Washington, he had a son that worked in, in Russia um, he told me one time that he got a really great insight into the Russian players in Washington just from his son's feedback, from you know being part of, of Russian culture and, and trying to understand their backgrounds. And I think that that's really the key to, to, to successful coaching, uh, to successful teaching, really to success in, in the world these days is to, you know, you're, you're, you're really uh, um, a motivator of people, right? I mean, you know, tactics are one thing. The Islanders' tactics are perfectly suited to this team and, uh, and they execute them flawlessly. And, and, you know, they absolutely check the box of a well-coached team from a strategic tactical point of view. But then beyond that, I also think that he has been able to, you know, to learn how to motivate people. And, and we've talked about it a few times, just in terms of philosophy of coaching. And, and he said, you have to get to know the person 
before you get to know the player. He says, because once you can understand the person and what drives them, everybody's different. And I think there used to be a, a thinking in, in coaching that, you know, this is how we do it and everybody has to conform and fall into line. And, and, and that worked sort of maybe in a different era when people were afraid of losing their jobs, but it doesn't work in today's era. And I think that Barry was one of the first to, to understand that. And I think it's just because he has a sort of basic humanity about him that, uh, that the people want to play for him and in the same way as if you have a good boss, you know, if you have a good boss, you want to work for them. You're excited to go to work every day. You're, you know, you're all in on, on the vision. And that's really, you know, remarkable when, when, when you can, when you can do that. And, and that's how you get the kind of success that, uh, that the Islanders are having, how you get the kind of you know success that Washington has you had, you know, great regular season team finally won a championship and Nashville, you know, for them to get to, you know, to be uh, such an effective franchise as quickly as they did, I think a lot of it had to do with just the way he treated and handled the players there. Uh, another team that I thought had a pretty good cross-section of very talented players, really good coach, love the goalie, is the Philadelphia Flyers, who find themselves up against the wall tonight. Uh, are you surprised at, at some of the, uh, again, glowing reviews of Barry Trotz and this Islanders team aside, are you surprised at the lack of success the Flyers have had in this series? Well, the, the, part of the problem is that, you know, like uh, whenever I see an Islanders matchup, uh, you know, like I, I just don't want to ever bet against them because because they, they're they're able to to win series that they shouldn't be able to win. So Philly is one of those teams that I haven't really been able to get a proper handle on all season long. You know, you look at their at their um, at their roster, and you're right. I mean, Carter Hart. You know, I'm working on sort of an exercise about you know. Uh, the next generation of Canadian goaltenders coming through the ranks and who are they, you know, because a lot of the, of the, you know, of the better Canadian goalies are getting on in years. And so, you know, you look at the list and, you know, yeah, Matt Murray, you know, some early success stumbled a bit lately. Jordan Bennington last year, great, but this year, you know, again, especially in this postseason, you know, wasn't able to find his game. So it almost starts and ends with Carter Hart right now. And he's, you know, he's been, you know, really, really consistent. I mean, the odd, you know, bad, you know, game. And I think that, you know, like when you're a young goalie like that and it starts to go off the rails, sometimes it can go really, really off the rails. But he's shown the ability to bounce back. So I just think that he is the real deal. And and when we're talking about, you know, Canadian international teams going forward into Olympics, into future World Cups, you know, at the point where, you know, Carey Price ages out, it looks like it's going to be Carter Hart's job for, for 10 years. And so what he's done is he's gone in and, and given Philadelphia the goaltending that they hadn't had for, for generations, right, really since Pelly Lindbergh. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so, it, you know, it makes all the difference in the world. And, and some of these younger players that they've got coming through the ranks, I think, are – are going to be better. Uh, you know, I look at Dallas right now. So Gurionov has taken another step. and through the roof. You know, so what happens when when something if something similar can occur in Philadelphia? If Provorov takes the next step, if Faraby takes the next step, if at a certain point Morgan Frost gets to the next level. So I think their future is still a little bit in the future. I think that once they, you know, some of these young pieces mature just a little bit more, and if they can take their games up another notch then that would be a formidable team. I just don't think Philadelphia is there quite yet. 
Last one for you, Eric. Shifting gears to the other game tonight, Vancouver and Vegas. All reports indicate it will be Thatcher Demko in goal for the Canucks tonight as Jacob Markstrom dealing with fatigue and a lower body uh, soreness, which many are pointing to as maybe a groin issue. I know Elliot Friedman was on with our sister station in Vancouver yesterday, talked about the negotiations with Markstrom leading into the bubble, and they were really tough, and and it seemed like they were still quite a ways apart. I know everyone's going to be watching that story, but... Uh, this could be their final game of the season tonight. I'm just curious what your thought is on, on Markstrom and the Canucks as they are uh, backs against the wall against probably the best team left right now in terms of uh, depth in the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, well, you know, like I, I'm always reluctant to shovel dirt on the coffin before the, you know, the, uh, the end is there. But, but the one thing I would say is that if it is the end for Vancouver, whether it be tonight or at some point in, in this series, you know, they will be one of the very few teams that will look back on this season and say, okay, we made genuine strides. I mean, I'm watching that team right now. You know, I think Pedersen, you know, he, he seems to get better like every, every week, you know, he's, he's an amazing talent. And, and so I think that, you know, when, when you think about some of the moves that were made there and, and I, I'll, you, I was the first to second guess JT Miller for a, for a first round pick. It just seemed like an awful lot to give up for a guy that was sort of in that secondary mix in Tampa. They were all, you know, all those guys are kind of about the same. They were all making probably too much money. They needed to move some some contract. The fact that you know you had to give up a first rounder to get him that seemed high to me. But he's gone in there and been fantastic. And, and certainly, you know, at the price of a, of a first round pick, it, it, it has been well worth it. Uh, you know. Uh, to Foley and Pearson, you know, two guys who kind of got stale in, in Los Angeles, I think seem to have, have really bounced back. I, I wonder, you know, if, if Tyler Toffoli had been healthy throughout these playoffs, uh, if, um, you know, it, it, it's, you know, maybe things would be a, a little bit different right now. So they got really nice pieces there, but you're right. The one thing that they really do need to sort out after paying all that money to, to Tyler Myers as a free agent is what are you going to give Jacob Markstrom? And I know Jim Benning is on the record as saying, we're going to get this thing done. So, Normally, if, if management is saying we're going to get things done, that, that, is, that means that it is going to get done because, because they place a real high priority on, on what, what he contributes to the mix. <clears throat> and while I think Demko is one of those goalies that everyone believes has a chance to be really good down the road, uh, you know, if you're Vancouver at this moment in time where you feel like you can take that next step, which, and, and I think that, that it's fair. I don't think it's a pipe dream for them to think that internally. I don't see how you can turn it over to a goalie that is unproven when you have had the kind of success you had with Markstrom. So I think you have to figure out a way of, of making it happen. Now, having said that, as you know, uh, you know, the financial landscape is in a massive state of flux in the NHL right now. No one knows when fans will come back in the building. As long as there are no fans in the building, that you know limits 50 to 60% of NHL revenues. It, 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 it's hard to know how you pay the bill. And so, uh, you know, it's, the expectations that anyone would have had going into free agency a year ago uh, will have to be, I think, slightly diminished. I just, I don't, I just don't see teams stepping up and, and paying the kind of dollars that uh, that they might have if, if the world were normal. So it's complicated, and and and, and I don't know. Uh, it, it, there's there are going to be available goalies this year, and it could be another one of those goalie shuffles like we saw a few years ago, where everybody moved Leonard to this team, Talbot to that, you know. I mean, it's possible the dominoes are setting up like that. But but I think if you're Vancouver, that's your priority. Get that deal. And it's like you know, when, when Calgary, you know, had Matthew Kachuk up, right? You know, and, and the RFA. But uh, 
It was like, that's the priority. Get that done, and then we'll worry about everything else. And I think that should be the philosophy in Vancouver as it relates to Markstrom going forward. Thank you for this, Eric. We'll chat later, uh, chat later this week. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. There is uh, Eric DeHatchek, Tuesdays and Thursdays here on Sportsnet 960. The fan joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza past the steaks and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. We will break and put a bow on Hockey Central at noon next here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Putting a wrap on Hockey Central at noon on your Tuesday. Peter Klein, Will Nalt, and Logan Gordon with you, leading you up to 1 o'clock when Pat Steinberg takes over uh, for, if I had my way, two and a half hours of Raptors pregame coverage before the Raptors and Celtics at 3.30. Will, we've talked about the two games from last night with Lou and with Eric DeHatchuk, but uh, again... No, the only thing that you can really rely on in this in these playoffs is unpredictability. Going into last night, Colorado season on the line. Michael Hutchison in goal. The Dallas Stars get their Vesna nominated from a year ago goalie in Ben Bishop, and of course five nothing before the other game ends. I just that's exactly how that game was supposed to go, right? Yeah, that's that's exactly how I drew it up, man. That's exactly what I thought was going to happen, isn't it? Yeah, for you? totally. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was like, oh, Hutchison versus Bishop? Watch out, Dallas Stars, because here comes the Hutch train. Uh, That game was was absolutely insane. And the way that series has been going, it was to the point where it was 5-0 when I flip over, and my first thought is, I don't know if this is over. I I just... The way these playoffs have been going, am I going to be stunned? If I mean, we've seen Dallas score seven in a row before. It's not like they couldn't do it again against Michael Hutchison. We were joking about all these series, um, maybe not even going to six. We now know that Dallas-Colorado will. Do you have a different lean on that series now that we've seen game five, or are you still firmly in the Dallas Stars camp? Well, I I am interested in in how game six goes. I I think now the Avalanche have got some momentum. Uh, I know we're going to talk about it in the next segment with Pat, but I'll be perfectly honest, Pete, if, if they didn't start Ben Bishop in that game, I don't know how it went. Now... Maybe a little unfair and a little too harsh because the team was absolute junk in front of Ben Bishop in that opening period. Shots were twenty-three to four, uh, I believe, at last uh, at last check after the opening period. So it's not like they would have fared much better with Anton Hudobin, but it was just you know if you're Rick Bonus, I, I thought he put Ben Bishop in a real tough spot. Um, we talk about you know throwing David Riddick into that game against Dallas uh, in game six when they you know made the decision. Jeff Ward pulled him in a tie game, uh, took Talbot out and, and put Riddick in. We you know we criticized him there because he essentially brought in a cold goalie who hadn't played in a while. Bishop didn't play since the Calgary series and you know and then you know really played one game uh, uh, since a four month pause. So I, I just thought it was really unfair to put Ben Bishop in that spot. But Again, we'll see what happens in Game 6. I don't want to give the Avalanche any life, and then that's exactly what the Stars did. So I'll be so curious how it plays out, but I do think Dallas has a great chance of closing things out. Where would you go in Game 6, Hudobin or Bishop? Hudobin. Yeah, I, I think you have to, right? Like, I mean, 22 shots or not, you gave up five goals in the first period. Mm-hmm. Like, probably not going to go back to the guy who was the starting goalie in yeah. that situation. Like, that's just 
such a weird one. Um, we, we are going to get to Tampa Bay in the next segment, so I don't want to go too far on that one. But reports saying that Thatcher Demko is going to be in goal tonight for Vancouver and not Jacob Markstrom as they look to keep their season alive against Vegas. I kind of thought Vancouver was done. Um, I, I think this makes them dunner. Like the, I, I didn't think they had much hope going in, but Markstrom kind of the only saving grace there. I don't see Thatcher Demko getting his Michael Hutchison on and keeping uh, Vancouver alive tonight. It's curious. Like, was that more Hutchinson or was that more the Avalanche trying to battle for their goaltender because they knew it would be tough for him in terms of yeah. if I shift this and change the narrative to tonight's game? Like, does Vancouver play harder because they know Markstrom's not in there? I am curious how it plays out. My initial reaction is good night, Vancouver. But I am curious. Do they play harder because Demko's in net? I think either way, they're in a real tough spot to win because we've talked about it the last two days. Or, or yesterday, certainly, about how good Vegas is. I, I think they're in a real tough spot as it is, but I am curious if maybe they've got a little extra jump or, or at least start the game a little better because they know there's a goaltending switch behind them. I just don't like... I don't think it matters what Vancouver does. Even if they do play harder for the, the young Thatcher Demko, I, I don't... A, I don't they think still they have match another up, level. Yeah. No, I don't think they have another level to get to. Yeah. So I, I, I don't... I don't think it's going to go all that great for the Vancouver Canucks tonight. I, I see Vegas putting a, a bow on that one. Uh, one of two games in the NHL tonight. Both games we will have here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The first one, the Flyers and the Islanders will be joining that one in progress after the Raptors and the Boston Celtics. Uh, one of the cool things living in Calgary, seeing the progression over the last little while, is Calgary Pride. 2019, over 100,000 participants in the parade and festival. It has grown to be a citywide celebration of gender and sexual diversity for all Calgarians. Due to COVID-19, the 30th anniversary of Calgary Pride is going to look a little different. This year, there will be over 200 LGBTQ 2S Plus artists, a learning series with over 100 workshops and 11 hours of events on Parade Day. Join us for Calgary Pride 2020. For all details on, and on how you can safely participate, head to sportsnet.ca slash 960. The Tampa Bay Lightning are off to the conference finals. Again, do they get enough credit for all of this? We'll discuss next with Pat Steinberg, myself, and Will Nolte here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.